Our reading this morning is from Nehemiah, chapter 6, and we're reading verses 1 to 15, which you can see on the screen or look at your phone, whatever. Further opposition to the rebuilding of of the wall. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sam Ballant sent his assistant to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, According to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabal, who was shut up in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets, prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the war was completed in the 25th of Ulu in 52 days. Thank you, Val. Good morning. Uh, my name's Andrew, I'm part of the church family here. It would be great if you had that passage open in front of you. So if you haven't found it yet, if you could take one of the church Bibles and turn to page 488, that would be great. Page 488 in the church Bibles. Uh, our passage today is actually chapter 6 and chapter 7. But if you just glance at chapter 7, you'll be glad when I say this next sentence. We're not going to spend a lot of time in chapter 7 this morning. But we are going to be looking at the word of God. So it's page 488, Nehemiah chapter 6 and 7. And the title we've given this is Pressing On. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Nehemiah is about building. It's about building two things. It's about building the wall of Jerusalem, and it's about building the people of God. And we're in the part of Nehemiah at the moment where we're still talking about building the wall. Now, why does it matter? Why is it important? Why are we interested in the building of the wall? Well, because Jerusalem was the city of God. Jerusalem was where the temple was. Jerusalem was the center of Israel's worship of the living God. So it mattered that the wall was going to be built up. It mattered. Now, a lot of the Jews had been taken away from Jerusalem, away from Judah, in exile. They'd been dragged away. And many of them now were being allowed to come back to Judah. And Nehemiah is one of those people. And Nehemiah has got this job of building the wall. I just need to say, chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6 in the book of Nehemiah are about building the wall, and chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10 are about building the people. 3, 4, 5, 6, the wall. 7, 8, 9, 10, the people. You look absolutely fascinated by this, but I'm nearly finished this paragraph, so it's all right. And at the beginning of each of these two sections, there's a list of the people involved. So 3, 4, 5, 6, chapter 3, remember that long list of, pe of built people who are going to be building? That was the beginning of the building section, 3, 4, 5, 6. And then 7, 8, 9, 10 is the building of the people, and you've got a long list in chapter 7. These are the people who are going to be rebuilt. God is going to renew the people of God, so they start putting him first and worshipping him and living for his glory. Those are the two parts, two main parts of the book of Nehemiah. We're just finishing off the first half, the wall bit, today because the wall is very, very nearly finished. So that's the, 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 the background where we are now. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage together. Um, uh, firstly, two facts. Two facts. There are two things Nehemiah knows, and there are actually two things that we know if we are followers of Jesus. Two facts. Firstly, two facts. Stevo, please, two facts. Maybe when, it's working. Great, wonderful, good. I just, I, if I don't see it, I can't, I can't preach it. Two facts. That Nehemiah knows two things. The two things he knows are these. He knows that he's been called by God. He knows that he's been called by God to get this wall built. We saw that in chapters 1 and 2. Very clear. But the other thing Nehemiah knows is he knows that there are enemies who don't want the wall to be built. And we've already seen that in chapter 4, and we'll see it again in chapter 6. Now, in case you're thinking, well, what on earth has, got this, has this got to do with me? Why am I spending some of my Sunday thinking about this? If you're a truster in Jesus, if you've turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, you're a Christian. You've heard Jesus say to you, follow me, and you've started to follow him. You've heard his call. You've heard God's call. You've heard Jesus' call. But you also know, if you've read the New Testament, that you've got an enemy. 
I'm not talking about human enemies, I'm talking about the devil. The devil is a personality who is against God and against human beings. He doesn't want people to start following Jesus, and when they have started following Jesus, he doesn't want them to be passionate about following Jesus. We have an enemy, which is why the New Testament says that we need to put on God's armor so that we can fight this battle, so that we can stay strong, so that we can keep following Jesus. So Paul, when he writes the letter to the church in Ephesus, he says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes because the devil wants to trip us up. The devil wants, us, wants to make it more difficult for us to follow Jesus. That was Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, by the way. And the, the armor of God is things like righteousness and truth and the Bible and prayer. And that equips us to keep following Jesus passionately. Those are the two facts. Now, secondly, come with me to Nehemiah 6 there. Secondly, two distractions. Because there are distractions here in this passage. We've already had a very clear example of how we, can, we could be distracted. Um, if you knew how Callum and Sophie were looking forward to this morning, just for the, what they were doing with all the distracting, I mean, they just were so excited about it. Callum was behaving like a, I would say, a 10-year-old. <laughs> it was about distracting Reuben had a job to do, and, and there were attempts to distract him. Well, Nehemiah has a job to do. He has a job to do building, building getting, the, getting the wall of Jerusalem built. But there are distractions here. And just as Nehemiah is, is, is subject to these distractions, we are too when we're following Jesus. Let's look at them together. Firstly, in verses 1 to 9... The first distraction is accusation. Accusation. Look at verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, so the work is not yet finished, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. They're just trying to distract him from building, from organizing the building. And Nehemiah says, no, he won't do that because he's not willing to be distracted. Uh, but have a look now at verse 4. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. So they're putting pressure on, and now comes the accusation. The accusation is the biggest distraction of all. Verse 5, then the fifth time Sanballat sent his assistant to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written... It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, the emperor. So come, let us meet together. Here's the accusation. Nehemiah you're not just interested in wall building. 
You want to become the king. You want people saying, to say in the future, there's a king in Judah, and his name is Nehemiah. It's an accusation, and it could very easily distract Nehemiah from the building work. He could easily go and negotiate with him. He could easily be put off his focus on the building of the wall, which is what God has called him to. Just see how Nehemiah reacts. Look at verse 3. They were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Do you see that in verse 3? He says it's a great project. This is really important, what I'm doing. I'm not going to be distracted. You can do whatever you like. Want to arrange meetings with me? I'm not coming. I'm involved in a great project. And look at verse 8. I sent him this reply after this letter gets issued. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. He just says it's not true. Doesn't it get involved in discussions about it? He says it's not true. Do you notice he sees that he's involved in a great project? And he sees that they that he 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 says that he is he is honest, he's got integrity. He's saying it's just not true. And we need to respond like that too. If there's accusations against us, if people are belittling us or saying untrue things about us we need to be ready to say it's not true and I'm involved in a really important great project I am following Jesus it's the most important thing that any human being can ever do isn't it and then look what Nehemiah does in verse 9 they were all trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. I think Nehemiah prays, not just because he thinks it's a good thing to pray. I think he's feeling a little bit wobbly after these accusations. So I think he's feeling a bit weak. I think he's saying, God, I need, I need you to strengthen me. Help me to keep going. Really important lesson for us as well. If we don't want to get distracted from following Jesus passionately, with enthusiasm, then we need to be asking God to give us strength. This is all about putting on God's armor. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes when he tries to distract you from following Jesus. Righteousness, truth, the Bible, prayer, these things will help us not to be distracted and to keep following Jesus. That's the first attempt at distraction here. Have a look with me at the second one. It's in verses 10 to uh, 14, and it's temptation. Temptation. Have a look at verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. This is another distraction. And it's actually a temptation to sin, because have a look and see how Nehemiah responds. Verse 
13. This guy had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, by going into the temple, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. The word sin is there in verse 13. He's saying this is a sin. And the reason it would be a sin for, for, for Nehemiah to go into the temple is that he's not a priest. He can go into the outer courts, but he can't go into the, to the middle of the temple. This guy is trying to get him to sin. This is a temptation. And so look what Nehemiah says in verse 11. Should a man like me run away, or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I'm not a priest. I don't have the right to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to this temptation. The end of verse 11, I will not go. Very determined. I will not do it. I will not give in to sin. And we need to be like that too when there's temptation. Because if we give ourselves to sin, then we will get distracted from following Jesus. Tempta being tempted isn't a sin, but giving in to temptation is a sin. We all get tempted, and sometimes we deliberately give in, don't we? And we choose to do things that are wrong, the things that are bad. So we need to put on God's armor. The other thing that Nehemiah does, surprise, surprise, he prays. Look at verse 14. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. God, you look after this situation. I can't do it. I'm not big enough for this. Please work here. So here's this second distraction, temptation. Trying to get Nehemiah to sin, and that happens to us too. If you read the New Testament letters, you'll see there are three areas where we are often prone to sin. Uh, these are the three most common areas mentioned in the New Testament, although there are lots and lots of areas. I do know that. But here are three of the areas. I'm sure that at least one of these areas resonates with you and you think, yeah, that's a temptation area for me. One is the way we uh, speak to one another. So it might be lying or it might be gossip. Another is what we do with our sexuality. And the third is our relationships with one another, whether we love one another or whether we ignore one another or treat one another badly. And we're tempted sometimes, aren't we? Am I the only one? No, we're tempted sometimes. And the danger is we give in, we're distracted. Instead of saying, like Nehemiah at the end of verse 11, I will not do it. But the trouble with temptation is it always starts small, or very often it does, and we, maybe we, we, we think it's a very small thing, it's a small sin, it's not a big problem at all, and then it, it, it becomes more and more. Does that ring any bells with you? I'm going to tell a story now that lots of you already know. I could ask you to come and tell it, but I'm going to tell it. I tell it because it exactly explains my experience with temptation. There's an Arab, and he's traveling through the desert on his camel. And at night, he gets off his camel, pitches his tent, and uh, goes into the tent and goes to sleep. And a couple of hours later, he wakes up, and the camel's head is in the tent. And the Arab says, no, look, 
Arabs sleep in the tent, camels sleep outside the tent, get out. And the camel says, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but the camel says, <laughs> look, it's really cold out here, just my head, I won't come any further, just my head, please. And the Arab has a soft heart, and he says, okay, well, just, just your head, but no further. He falls asleep, wakes up a couple of hours later, and the front half of the camel is in the tent. And the Arab's really angry now, and he says, no, that's it, that's it, out. And the camel says, look, it, I, I mean, it's re really cold at night in the desert, you know. Please, I won't come any further, just my front half, please, just hump one. And the Arab says, okay, just the front half, no further. And the, he falls asleep, and then he wakes up a couple of hours later, and the whole of the camel is in the tent. And before the Arab can say anything, the camel says, out. <laughs> now, it's a really stupid story, but I don't know about you, but that exactly is my experience of sin and temptation, that it's just a little at first, and I kind of make a deal with it. I compromise, and I say, well, it's a very small thing. It won't, I won't do any more of this. It's only five minutes, ten minutes. It's only one comment. But then it grows. It becomes more. And it distracts me from following Jesus. And, oh, I need to ask God for help. I need God to strengthen me so that I will say, I will not do it. I need to put on the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Somebody should write a song which begins with the words, O church, arise and put your armor on. So there are the two distractions there. But Nehemiah doesn't allow himself to be distracted. And we need to learn from this too. And look what happens here in verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Wow, the wall is finished, the gates are there, the job is done. Hallelujah. And uh, Nehemiah's heart and lots of people's hearts must have been full. Verse 16, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. That's how we did it. God helped us do it. God was working. That's why the wall is finished. <sighs> and we need the help of our God if we're going to keep following Jesus passionately. I am amazed that I am still following Jesus. I became a Christian when I was 14. That's more than 10 years ago. And it is more than 10 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm still following Jesus now. There have been wobbles. There have been times when I've kind of given up. There have been times when I decided I wouldn't pray or read the Bible. God has always brought me back. With the help of my God, I am still following Jesus. And if you're a believer in Jesus, that's true of you too, isn't it? So we need to be aware of these distractions and we need to be asking God to help us to use his armor, righteousness, truth, the Bible, prayer, so that we can keep following Jesus with passion. So we've looked at two facts. We've looked at two distractions and now very briefly, two priorities. Because Nehemiah, although the job of building the wall is done, 
Nehemiah still has work to do. This will be very quick. First of all, Nehemiah is looking out. He's looking out because he knows there are still enemies around. Look at verses 17 and 19 to 19. I'm not going to read them out, but they're about the fact that there are still enemies there. And look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 7. Right at the end of, chapter, of verse 3, it says, Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Nehemiah knows that the enemies are still there. And we need to know that the enemy is still there. The devil is still there trying to trip us up, trying to stop us following Jesus passionately. But the other, the, the other priority is in verse 1 of chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1, after the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. That's about worship. This is the beginning of the renewal of the people. The wall has been built. Now the people are going to be built. Now the people are going to be renewed. Now the people's relationship with God is going to be sorted. And this is the beginning of it. And if you want to know who's involved in the people of God there, you read the rest of chapter 7. You can do it this afternoon. And then we'll see in chapters 8, 9, and 10 how God rebuilds his people. It's very exciting. But see, see Nehemiah's priorities here? He looks out for the enemy and he looks up. He wants people to worship God. Now, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. I don't know how he's speaking to you through the Bible. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, you know that you're forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And you know that you want to follow Jesus. But you're, you're, it's, you go up and down, don't you? Or at least I do. Sometimes I'm really enthusiastic about following Jesus, and sometimes I'm really not. I can see the shock on your faces. We go up and down. We, go, we blow hot and cold. Oh, let's commit ourselves again to following Jesus passionately. Oh, oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Truth, righteousness, the Bible, prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And don't be distracted if they're by accusation or by temptation. Is the Holy Spirit nudging you about some area of temptation, some area of sin? And saying to you, come on, respond to me. Trust me. Ask, ask me to give you the power, the strength you need so that you don't give in and you keep following Jesus. I tell you this. If we will make the decision to keep following Jesus, to keep following him, and, and if we make the decision to ask God to help us to follow Jesus passionately, and if we keep using God's armor, the righteousness, the truth, the Bible, and prayer, we will bring God glory. We will be a blessing to other people. And we will experience joy. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Let's pray.
Just a moment's silence in which each of us can just respond to God about what the Holy Spirit has particularly spoken to us about. And then I'll lead us in a very short prayer. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for calling so many of us who are here to be followers of Jesus, your son. Thank you that we know that we're forgiven because we trust in Jesus and in what he did for us on the cross. We worship you. And many of us here want to recommit ourselves to following Jesus, your son, with passion. Help us to put the armor on and to live lives this week that bring you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.